You heard me say it, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. But I've had the experience in my work of coming in contact with individuals who want what follows, but aren't willing to lead with identity. It used to bother me and I could not figure out why they did not want to lead with identity. Then it dawned on me that people think that doing identity work means that you're broken. When in fact, it has nothing to do with brokenness and it's not an attempt to fix you. Identity work is about coming in alignment with who you are and not fixing, but honoring who you are and building a brand that is most authentic to who you are. So if you're ready to leave with identity and become a supernormal superstar, visit YourSupernormal.com right now and let's do the work. Have you ever gotten to a place in life where you find yourself asking, what now? That's right. What now? Circumstances and situations have happened. You feel as if you've been hit from the left and the right. You feel as if nothing that you do ends up working out the way that you desire for it to work out. And you just don't know what you need to do right now. The reality is we've all been there. And sometimes we've been there without the tools, techniques, and strategies to help us make effective decisions to produce the future that we desire. You don't have to do this alone anymore. I invite you to listen to my podcast. That's right. My name is Clifton Pettyjohn. I'm a purpose strategist, author, transformation coach, and spiritual leader. And I host the What Now podcast. And the What Now podcast is simply conversations that teach us how to effectively face life's most difficult moments. That's right, life's most difficult moments. So if you're interested in hearing the podcast, I encourage you to visit my website, www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. Again, www.cliftonpettyjohn.com. There, there's a tab for the podcast, and you can pick your favorite platform. We're available on multiple platforms, so you can pick your favorite platform Pick the platform, subscribe to the podcast, listen, 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 comment, 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 and share, share, share. All right? So I encourage you, again, make sure that you are listening to the What Now Podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Clifton Pettyjohn, and you are listening to Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through purposeful conversation.
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to, welcome back to Transformation Radio. That's right, Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through purposeful conversations, regardless of how uncomfortable and unpopular those conversations are. As I said in the intro, my name is Clifton Patty John. I'm a purpose strategist, author, transformation coach, and spiritual leader. I provide tools and strategies to transition individuals from merely existing to living a life full of purpose. Now, if you've heard the show before, you already know the exercise that we are about to do. So I want everybody that has not uh, been a part of the show before to join with those of us that have, and let's complete this exercise. This exercise will tell you if I am talking to you when it to- when I'm talking about purpose. Am I talking to you when I say that there's purpose in your life? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this two times. We're going to take a deep breath in. We're going to hold it. Breathe out. One more time, deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Ooh, I got to get to the gym. That's a little harder to do now. Anyway, if you were able to breathe in and breathe out, that means that there's breath. That means that there is breath remaining in your body. Therefore, if breath is still left in your body, purpose still remains, all right? Purpose still remains. So, yes, I am talking to each and every one of you listening to me tonight. There is purpose locked inside of you. And one of the purposes of this show is to draw you closer to the realization of the purpose that is lodged inside of you. And tonight we have an amazing guest that's going to join the conversation, and many of you are going to be able to connect with her and her story. And as you connect with her and her story, you'll realize there's purpose inside of you, okay? So listen, again, thank you all for joining us on tonight. After this show, guys, we only have four more shows, and season two is over. And as I said on the last show, there's some new ventures that we're about to experience, and I'm excited about the newness that we're about to experience, but I packed this month with some amazing guests. Why? Because I wanted us to finish strong. I wanted us to finish strong. We started strong. We were strong in the middle of the season, and now we're going to finish strong, all right? Now, I also put out there, if you're out there, you're an individual that has an idea for a podcast or a radio show, but you don't know what to do, no problem. I need you to connect with me. Why? Because I am sponsoring two individuals. I'm about to launch a a radio network, so I'm sponsoring two individuals for an entire year. I'm going to cover the cost of production and everything. I'm not covering the cost of uh, equipment. Now, I did say if you live close to me, you know, we can meet up, and if it's a day I'm not recording, you are welcome to use my equipment, however you have to sign a release form, okay? Um, but we can link up and do it that way. But, listen, I'm looking for two individuals that want to start a show. They don't know what to do. They need the help. And financially, they're just not able to do it right now. And here's why I'm doing this. Guys, for a year and a half, Miss Siobhan Mason, uh, she is, I guess you would say, the CEO of the Off the Chain Network here. Uh, and she has completely sponsored this show. I haven't had to come out of my pocket for anything. The only thing I had to come out of my pocket for was for the equipment that I purchased. But she just told me, the only thing I want you to do, Cliff, 
is to pay it forward. So I'm honored that she did this for me. So now since she took time out to invest in me being one person, I'm going to spread the wealth and I'm going to invest in two individuals for a year and a half to get you on your feet so that you can get used to it. Guys, if you listen to our show all the way back a year and a half ago and you listen now, and you may hear some hiccups in the show now, but if you heard it a year and a half ago, man, boy, it was a challenge. I did not know what I was doing when I sat behind this microphone. I didn't have any professional equipment. The sound was horrible. I just didn't understand anything, but I did understand this very thing, that there was a need for this show, and I had put it off long enough. So you're out there, you're listening, you know there's a need. There are individuals that need to hear your voice. They need to hear your story. They need to experience your interpretation of purpose through your radio show, through your podcast. So I want you to reach out to me. You can reach out to me at 302-648-5544. You can text me on that number or you can leave a message and somebody from my team will get back with you, all right? So let's keep going here. We're going to run one ad and then we're going to come back. I'm going to introduce our guest and we're going to dive right into the conversation. Are you thinking of selling or buying your dream home? Then contact Harrison Domerkin, the people's agent. As a licensed realtor in both Delaware and Maryland, Harrison desires to help you sell or buy your home. And he promises you that your experience with him will be great. Call or text him today at 302-260-0659 or email him at Harrison Domerkent at gmail.com. All right, awesome. Just want to remind you too, Harrison will be on the show this Friday night at 10 p.m. So make sure you tune in. He was on before. However, we had some technical difficulties and the audio did not record. So he's coming back on. And he gave us a lot, guys, a lot, a lot, a lot of information concerning real estate and, you know, just his own personal journey. So make sure you tap in on Friday night. But tonight, guys, I want to tell this story, and it's not going to be a long story because I know you're probably tired of listening to me. But a couple years ago, because we didn't get to have uh, Delaware Pride this year, but I met, I had the privilege of meeting two young ladies. Uh, I had a table uh, at Delaware Pride. I had my book out there, and they came up to the table, and we began to engage in conversation. And if you know me, you already know that I love outcasts. I love those who, at a first glance, if you are a person that only looks at people's outward appearance, you wouldn't see the value of who they really are. And I loved her because her hair was bright and she just had this energy. And I I just enjoyed the conversation I had with the two ladies. And I said, I have to have this young lady on my show. And she agreed to come on the show. So I'm excited to have her tonight. Uh, She's a pastor. She's a writer. She is a domestic violence survivor, guys. And there's so much more to her, so much more to her. But you know we don't read bios on here, so I'm going to allow you guys to be introduced to her from the conversation. So help me welcome 
Christine, Theriot, Marcon. Did I get it right? How are you, Christine? Uh, very good. Very good. Did I'm I doing get it right? Well. Theriot, Marcon, very good. Better than oh. most. <laughs> I try. I tried my best. I, <laughs> I just wanted to the, get as close as possible. And you did. You did very well, buttering me up by calling me a young lady. I don't know what, how many times, but that was good. That was very well done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember the conversation. I and I, since you know, I I met you two. I just was y'all were such a breath of fresh air. Every now and then, you meet individuals. Thank you that a conversation, a simple conversation, not even about, we didn't talk about anything deep. We didn't talk about anything profound, but it was just a breath of fresh air. So I'm glad you're here with us tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be doing this. I'm glad we had to cancel the last time um, I was scheduled. And so I'm so, I'm so grateful that uh, I'm able to do it tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Let's get the conversation underway. I always okay. start with a ice with an icebreaker question, and I All use right. the same icebreaker question on every guest, and I explain okay. why after I answer, after I ask right. it. Okay, well after you okay. answer, that question is: If you could have one superpower, what would that superpower be, and why? <laughs> I actually have an answer to that. Um, <laughs> um, I would like to have the ability. See, I'm an empath, so okay. um, I would like to have the ability to absorb people's pain mm. and then feed it back out to people who deserve it. <laughs> um, <laughs> now. <laughs> Now, uh, we're talking about, you know, if I was actually in the comic book, you know. I got um, you. That's, that's what, you know, uh, in real life, a superpower, uh, no. But, um, you know, if I could be a, if I could have my own uh, graphic novel or something like that, I would, mm-hmm. would want to have, I would want to have that power. Yeah. I, I definitely, have, like, I definitely name, understand like, it. <laughs> I understand so. it. I understand it. And I'm going to go off of the first part you said about absorbing people's pain. Here's why I asked this question. Mm -hmm. Because 99.9% of the individuals, um, my statistic team has put together some stats, um, Mm -hmm. that answer that question, always answer it based upon what it is that they do in life. Whether Mm -hmm. it is, you know, and, and when I think about, you know, the conversation I had with you, you know, from your mm-hmm. personal experiences of pain and, and, and hurt that you've experienced, I see you as a person that would like to, I wouldn't want that person to have to go through that. If I could take that for them, then I mm-hmm. would take that for them mm-hmm. and them not have to worry about it. So that's why I always mm-hmm. like to start every conversation with that question because it kind of helps the listening audience learn more about the person. In a fun way. Right. Right. That's a great question. Now we're going to play a game. We're going to play a game. Uh, Word association. I have five words for you. As I said, off the air, you're welcome to sing. I don't think we've had anybody sing on here. We might have had one person sing on here. I can't remember if anybody has sung. I 
guarantee you won't get me the same. <laughs> <laughs> me either. You, so I, you won't have to turn the show off. <laughs> is my thing. <laughs> so you can either give a one-word answer, one-sentence answer, or you can elaborate on the word however you want to. Now, if it's a word, uh, you give a definition or, or you give an interpretation that's, like, real intriguing, I'm going to take the conversation that route, and then we'll wrap back around. Sometimes we don't finish the game till the end of the conversation. But, right. you know, that's the type of fluid, how we how we go on this show. So okay, the then. first word, the first word is life, life. <laughs> um, savor. Okay. Right. The next word is freedom. Spiritual. Okay. I'm writing these down so we can go back to them. And, the and next now word, I really want to sing, but I won't. <laughs> oh, go ahead and sing. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking, oh, freedom, you know, that kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go back to life and freedom because I really want to talk about life versus existing, you know, living life to the fullest oh, versus yeah. existing yeah. and all of those things. So we're going to go back to mm-hmm. the. The third word is faith. Necessary. The next word is transformation. Labor. And then the last word is... (laughs) Um, wow, that's what it says. You know, I've been thinking about purpose. Accountability. Mm. Now, let's stay right there for a minute. Why do you think of the word accountability as it relates to purpose? Well, I think um, I, <laughs> I think about the stuff that I have gone through in my life um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the pain I've, I've had, the trauma that I've gone through um, and the, the things that I've had to carry. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as long as those things, um, as long as I can find purpose in them, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, and I can mm-hmm. handle it. And, so often, um, for me, it's come down to holding people accountable. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, there's, there's so it's, a, it's really a long stretch in some ways, but you wanted the first mm-hmm. word that came to me. So it was accountability, because to me, mm-hmm. if I can kind of gain uh, somebody coming to a, taking account of what they've done or being accountable mm-hmm. or somebody being held accountable, um, then I think I've, you know, I've found purpose um, in all of mm-hmm. in what I've experienced. Um, yeah. Got you. Now, I, 
Now, you kind of answered. I was great to ask you, okay, how do you find purpose in the different uh, traumas or experiences that you had? But then you wrapped it back around and said, you know, if you can hold individuals responsible for their role that mm-hmm. they played in it, then you can find that set purpose in it. Now, what about this now? What if you're looking for purpose in something, you're looking to hold individuals responsible, but they refuse to be accountable for their role in that set experience or trauma? That That is a hard one. Um, and I'm still, I think I'm still trying to work on that um, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, some of it is finding my voice. Um, mm. Because when you want to have somebody be accountable for what they've done, um, you you talk about it, you know, and you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, words for me are very powerful. So I have tried to, you know, write, I've tried to speak, I've tried to, you know, have conversations with people um, and to be able to, sometimes just being able to have that story be told um, so mm-hmm. that it can't be escaped by people um, can help. Um, but it's a, it's a tough one. Um, you know, I've struggled with how do I forgive people that I'm not ready to forgive? Um, how do mm-hmm. I how do I deal with my anger um, when mm-hmm. I'm still angry about things that happen? Um, and you know, letting go is not always easy. And I don't always think that we should let go. Um, you know, somebody's got to keep fighting um, battles, even if we know that they're losing battles. Um, so I get I. Well, then it comes back to, I feel purpose in continuing to tell the story um, because the more I tell it, the more someone else might tell it. Um, and maybe the next mm-hmm. person will be held accountable. Um, so if I can't, my wife said this, she said, if I can't, um, if I can't get justice, I, then I want to expose the injustice. Um, Absolutely. Exposing the injustice at least gives me a sense of comfort when I can't, when when people, you know, nobody wants to be held accountable for what they do. Um, I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's hard to do that. Um, but, yeah, as long as I can kind of tell, tell the story and, and make it a little bit easier for the next person. Um, I can gain something from that. And I think that that's how momentum is built as well. Uh, I think that when you find what your purpose is as it relates to, in this instance, telling your story, because you were talking about how sometimes you have to still tell it even if justice isn't necessarily served or that person isn't held responsible for it. But yet in telling it, you might give strength and encouragement to the next person to tell their story, and then eventually somebody is going to be held accountable. And I think that sometimes individuals aren't held accountable because the story stopped being told. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, all, do you remember Me Too, the Me Too movement? I mean, when did that stop? Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it's like it, it, it cycled out of news almost. Um, you mm-hmm. know, my prayer, my prayer ever since, um, you know, the, oh, God, the horrible killing of George Floyd has been, mm. Lord, don't let this stop. Um, yeah. you know, it's been, it's been too many hundred years. Um, yeah. let this, let this keep going. Um, because I'm worried that, you know, uh, people, and when I say people, I mean like my people, white people, um, are going to say, well, we had a black president. What now we're going to have, you know, a black woman, vice president, God willing. Um, you know, that should be enough. No, it's not. Yeah. Because we aren't all our lives aren't the same, aren't held to the same values. Um, and that's done enough. So I keep praying, let's let's let the momentum continue. Um, that it becomes easier for the next person and the person after that. And you know, I have a I have a friend um from high school, Malcolm, and he was named he was named after Malcolm X. Um, his parents were very mm-hmm. involved in the um, civil rights movement. And um, at one point, uh, and he and I talk, talk a lot. Um, he's out, um, out where a lot of all the rioting began, the rioting. Oh, see, I'm saying, no, all the protests began. Um, mm-hmm. And he talked about um, a while back about how he felt like he let his parents down. Because, you know, we're, we're in the same place as we were before. Um, and how, mm. it, you know, how his parents' generation must look and say, what did we struggle for if you're, you know, if you're only this far along? Um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't the end. <laughs> it was only a stop along the way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the same thing, the same thing is said for, um, you know, queer rights. I think the same thing is said said for, said about misogyny. Um, you know, I look at my mother and I think, oh my gosh, she's gonna. You know, maybe, maybe in her lifetime, maybe in her lifetime there will be a woman in the White House. Um, and but at the same time, I think to myself, you know, I don't know that it will come past. Um, but as long as I know there's momentum that's going forward and that maybe uh, it'll come to a point where, you know, the next generation is going to have to struggle a little less and a little less after that, um, you know, hey, then it's worth my, it's worth my fight. Um, As my, my sister once said, go ahead. You can, you have my permission. Throw yourself up against that wall. And I said, I will, hmm. because eventually walls come down. Um, and mm. if my throwing myself up against it, even if I don't see a dent in my lifetime, that doesn't mean that I haven't shook some of the foundation. Um, Absolutely. And, that, you know, if enough of us shake the foundation, um, then it's going to, it's going to, walls will crumble. Um but yeah, without that momentum, it's, it's, it won't happen. We have to keep reminding these youngs to keep going. <laughs> and then that's what I've been encouraging everybody is like, as as the news attempts to cycle things out, 
don't you lose that momentum Mm-mm. because mm-hmm. that's what they're hoping for. I said they're sitting in mm-hmm. offices talking about this happened mm-hmm. ten years ago, and if we ignore it long right. enough, they're gonna it's gonna they'll put their own fire out. We don't even have to put their fire out. And I tell people, uh, uh-uh, right. do not be distracted by media. Do not be distracted by any of those things. Remember the purpose in which you are fighting for. And I will say, I do feel as if this generation is doing a good job. I think they're doing a good job and I pray they continue on with Mm -hmm. it. Because like you said, as long as we can shake the foundation, once that foundation is shaken, it may take some months. It may take some years. It may take another decade or two, but, some things will uh-huh. be uprooted because that wall now is not as stable and as strong as it used to right. be. That system is being broken down. And many times a system has to be broken down for a new system to be rebuilt. And I think we're seeing right. all of that now. So I am excited right. about the fight as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So now let's yeah. talk about your personal journey. Let's Let's get into your personal journey. Can we go right. back to your childhood and, you know, into adulthood and, and to how, what brought you to where you are right now? I thought we had like an hour at the most here. <laughs> you want me to go, oh, that's a long time ago now. Um, well, let's do well, a synopsis do, of it. Okay, we'll do a synopsis. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I... <laughs> You know, I was uh, I was born at Chestnut Hill Hospital in Philadelphia. Um, I'm a Philly girl. Um, I went to um, let's see Central High School. I was one of the and if you're at all familiar with the city of Philadelphia, um, Central High School was an all boys school, um, and okay. uh, Girls High was right across the street. And um, the year that I was in eighth grade. Um, a couple of girls, I want to, but it was a long time ago. I think it was four girls finally won um, a court case uh, to allow girls to be admitted to Central High School. And so oh, I wow. wound up going to Central. I was in the first class of, um, that went all four years with girls, um, which meant that, you know, I would go to gym class and there might be one other girl in gym class with me. Um, so it was, and it was a very traditional school, still an academic, um, and I went from being a you know a big big fish in a little pond to being a little fish uh, in a big pond, um, and mm-hmm. and I think that that was that kind of shook me a little bit. Um, I wasn't prepared for that, um, and I. I now, I want to say I wasn't as smart as everybody thought I was. I was, but I, um, it was easy for, it became easy for me to get distracted from my studies um, because I, I, I had trouble with them. Um, and I, so I struggled throughout high school. But the one thing that stayed with me was my friends. Um, now, I graduated high school in 1988. Um, oh, I'm sorry. In ni- yes, in 1988, I had to think for a second there. Um, <laughs> and we just celebrated our 31st school reunion. Um, awesome. And I say that because we didn't have a 30th. <laughs> so oh, wow. we finally did our 31st. 
um, which was which was really awesome because um, you know we were the school was very diverse um, because it was a magnet school. Um, we had there there all I went to school with all kinds of different kids. Um, uh, you know, we had friends who were queer, I had friends who were black, I had friends who were Italian from South Philly. I had, you know, uh, just a very wide range of experience. Um, and I grew up at that time in what was considered the most diverse neighborhood in America. Um, mm. And so um, my experience growing up was um, to see people like they were just like me um and to know that didn't color of skin was was just something to be you know a difference to be embraced because it was mm-hmm. something different about a person and different wasn't a negative thing um right and so i i was i think i was very blessed in that way um and you know i I had a friend who came to school one day. He wore a skirt. Um, and I didn't get to see him that day, but I heard the story the next day that, you know, he got, he was bullied horribly. Um, you know, back in the 80s, it was okay maybe for eyeliner, uh, but that was about as far as a guy could go. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, I was going to say he was very brave know, during that time he, to do he that. He was. We had we uh, our principal um, was really wonderful and um, and wound up you know, giving him an option to stay at, with his support um, through the rest of the school day or to be able to go home. Um, and so he wound up going home, which you know I respect that just as much as, as I would mm-hmm. have expected him staying. Um, right. And so you know I gonna think in a kind of unique. Circumstance. Um, my dad was um, a pastor, um, and then he was. Uh, when I went into college, um, he was. A, he became elected bishop. Um, everybody always thought, well, you know, you're following in your father's footsteps. And I would say mm. I'm a lot more like my mother than I am my father. Um, <laughs> and you know, people would say, oh. Are you Mike Merkel's daughter? And I go, well, yeah, but really, I'm Sue Merkel's daughter. Um, hi, mom. Uh, I think they'll be listening if they aren't okay. that already. Um, so, hi, mom. Hi, dad. Um, and uh, you know, I went to I went to college with the idea that I was late later um, with the idea that I was going to go to seminary afterwards, um, which I did. Um, and I served a small congregation, um, in, uh, Seattle city down the shore, as we would say from Philly, um, in Seattle city in, uh, New Jersey, which was just, uh, South of ocean city. Um, and, oh, well, I had gotten married, um, had my daughter, um, she's now 21 and we're hoping she'll be finished in college this year. Um, awesome. then 
Yeah, she, you know, she and I have, have had uh, our issues, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. mothers and daughters, you know, issues. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm just, I'm a very proud mother now of her. Um, awesome. She's turned out to be an amazing, amazing person. She, I know I'm a little prejudiced because she's mine, but um, she's, I think, one of the most beautiful women I've ever known. Um, and uh, she has a younger brother, um, Ethan, who is who has just turned 18 this year, um, and he is severely autistic, um, okay. so nonverbal, uh, still not totally potty trained. Um, and she really is his his best friend. Um, she, you know, there she is. She's from the day he was born, and we brought him home to, you know, tonight. Um, she has been his his biggest uh, caregiver, really. Um, she always acted like the third parent in a lot of ways, um, and we put her in that position too, I think. Because she mm-hmm. just so naturally gravitated towards it, um, and uh, her her dad actually, their dad has them, and uh, I forget where now, beach somewhere up in New England um, for a couple of days, okay. um, and she t- sent me pictures before the show started of um, of of Ethan at the beach and covered in sand. And, and, you know, like, I I wish I could show them to you, but they're just amazing pictures, Um, which, you know, it just, it it does, it makes me emotional, because I think about, just, she's she's an amazing person, Um, he's amazing, too, Um, you know, he, Mm. he's one of those people, he's, he's cute, and he knows it, Um, so he's, (laughs) he's a troublemaker, because um, he knows he can get away with a lot. Um, so, you know, I have my two kids, um, and I also have three um, stepdaughters who are amazing as well. I have two step-grandsons um, who are incredible kids, too. Um, you know, my my marriage uh, to um, my son and daughter's dad ended abruptly with um and painfully um and you know you mentioned uh domestic violence and yeah it was it was uh it was a a difficult marriage um there are a lot of you know now I can look back and say there were you know I had I chose to marry him for a reason and you know, I won't regret it because I have two beautiful children because I married him. Um, but it was not a healthy relationship. Um, and it, it, it ended the night that um, he sent me to the hospital and got himself arrested. Um, and, you know, that that was a trauma that um, that still impacts me today. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I had, after my second congregation, I left my second congregation in Connecticut after, um, finally admitting that I was, uh, really suffering from depression. Um, and, 
then was diagnosed with uh, major depressive disorder, panic anxiety disorder, later with PTSD added on, um, attention deficit disorder, and then fibromyalgia, um, which, you know, I think is a cause, is a response um, to trauma. Um, you know, fibromyalgia is your, your brain tells your nerves or your nerves tell your brain or there's a, there's a disconnect between your brain and your nerves don't talk properly to one another. They cannot mm-hmm. have a conversation. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, they, you, uh, you know, when you have a, when you have stress in your life, which is very hard to avoid, but um, when you have stress in your life, you wind up your the brain can't quite interpret that the right way. So it tells the nerves in your body the wrong thing. So it will tell your body that you're incredibly tired um, when you've done nothing to be tired, um, fatigued, like you've been awake for days. Um, pain in different parts of your body for no reason. Um, and all of these conditions are chronic. Um, and, you know, I, part of, part of what happened to me, um, and I'm going to read it to you so I get it right, but I, I was looking at, um, sometimes I look at up quotes um, on different mm-hmm. topics. Um, I like to do that. I collect quotes. Um, but one of the things that, so I was looking at quotes on, um, trauma and, um, one of the quotes that I found was often it isn't the initiating trauma that creates seemingly insurmountable pain, but the lack of support after, um, Mm. and this, you know, this is exactly what happened, um, to me. Um, you know, the, the, the trauma, the physical trauma, and then the, um, the trauma of, you know, my marriage ending, and then the trauma of um, it, it, dealing with all of that uh, was, wasn't really the thing that I ever got to, uh, to mourn um, or deal with directly. It was this all the bullshit that that wound up happening afterwards. Um, it mm-hmm. was the church not being there to support me, um, and then you know, getting asked stupid questions like, "Is, is there any chance for reconciliation?" No, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. not. Um, and so it was that constant fight, 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 um, just to have people you know, not be stupid. Um, and to, to recognize that they had really made some mistakes that I had gotten re-victimized. Um, and that was the pain that I was dealing with. You know, the thing that I hated more than anything else um, for people to say to me was, oh, don't worry about that right now. You need to focus on taking care of yourself and your kids. Well, what the hell do you think I've been doing all this time? Maybe it mm-hmm. wasn't the best way of doing it. Maybe it wasn't the smartest or the healthiest way. But that's what I've been trying to do all along. Um, no, so no, <laughs> that's not what you. And you don't have the right to tell me that 
because you're just trying to get out of a job. You're trying to get out of um, that accountability part that I was talking about earlier um, of saying, I messed up, of saying, we didn't take care of you the way we should have. We weren't there for you. We didn't support you the way you should, we should have. Um, I mean, they were the church for Christ's sake. You know, you would think the church would be there, and they really weren't. And um, it's a kind of a constant thread that I've that I've had to, you know, like I keep pulling it out of the sweater, <laughs> and the sweater keeps hmm. unraveling, kind of thing. Um, and you know, this is not to say that. Um, I, I don't love the church. I mean, I grew up in the church. Um, I was always a defender of the church um, because, I, you know, it, my dad was in the business. Um, and not just um, because he was a pastor, but he was a bishop. He was a company man. Um, and so, you know, I supported that because I knew some inside stuff. And I knew what the church did because you have to have community to be able to get a lot of stuff done. Um, you know, you want to feed the poor. If you're the only one doing it, you, you're going to get tired. Um, but if you have Absolutely. a community of people gathered together under, you know, under faith in the same thing or, you know, the same being, the same God, goddess, whatever it is, and you say, you know, out of that faith, you need to feed the poor. Well, guess what? Um, it's going to work better. Um, So it was, I was, (laughs) you know, uh, I remember a therapist asking me if I was surprised. And I said, no, not surprised, but I'm disappointed. You know that way, you know, when your mama says, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. (laughs) That kind of disappointment. Absolutely. Um, You know, so, um, so that you know, I went through I went through a lot of that, um, and then uh, and then I got really lucky. Um, I I met my wife, um, and mm-hmm. I I won't tell you the full honest story because it's kind of personal. But um, I you mm-hmm. know, I, I, we we are poster children for OK Cupid. I'll put it, I'll put it to you that way. We met online. <laughs> it was meant to be. Okay. Um, and I had only le- legit come out to my family <laughs> that I was bisexual. Um, I was mm-hmm. 43 at the time that I did that. And then on Father's Day. Um, and then, uh, you know, the next year I met my wife. Um, and we had a lot of stuff in common, including, you know, past. Uh, marriages and um, some of the ways we looked at the world because of that um, understanding of trauma, um, you know, uh, mental health, I want to say issues, but really illness. Um, and, uh, and she, she's, I, I you know, I, if I say it, say it the way I mean it, I'll start to cry because she really is oh. just, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because you talked about having met us and remembering the two of us and, you know, uh, we, we often get the, you guys are so cute. I, you know, I hope someday I find someone 
the way that you found each other, you know, that kind of thing. And and I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what our secret is. Um, and it's the secret, I think, to, uh, to any healthy, real, good relationship is that we talk. Um, mm. And we, we, you know, we, we were just having fun with one another. Um, and so we didn't, we weren't in it to have, like, you know, to find a, a spouse. We weren't, you know, neither one of us wanted to get remarried. Um, we just wanted companionship. And, um, you know, as it turned out, that meant that we were able to share things with one another that we would never have shared, I think, if we were looking for that. Um, because, you know, when you're, when you're looking to um, have, uh, when, you're, when you're not there looking, you tend to try to put your best foot forward. And so you won't, mm-hmm. you don't show the other person all of the, the flaws or the, you know, um, you, you wait to fart in front of one another for a while. You know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. not, that we, not that we did that right away, but, um, but <laughs> in some ways there was stuff we did. You know, we cared each other and we talked each other and we shared with one another um and we you know we finally had to admit kicking and screaming that yeah we were in love with one another um and that it wasn't it wasn't just a you know passing thing we really wanted to be with one another um and that that it was it was right for us um you know i think the universe worked overtime to make sure we were together. Um, and I think God put that in place for us. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've told her that um, I could live through hell as long as she would live there with me. Um, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. want her to have to live in hell, you know. <laughs> um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I could go through anything so long as I knew she was there with me. So, so that's you know, um, how's that for a, a good summary? That was a lot longer than a summary, but there you go. No, that was uh, perfect. Uh, that was perfect. All right, awesome. Here on the show, oh, that, I love it. that's why it's, <laughs> I tell people um, my platform is different than the typical radio show. It's, it's not a basic interview. It's a conversation. And the right. reason why I give guests freedom just to talk is because there's somebody out there tonight that's listening to your story. And yeah. that person is in some stage of where you talked about. You took us from uh, ele- from high school all the way to oh. present moment. You talked mm-hmm. about your marriage. You talked about your children. You talked about your divorce. You talked about your domestic violence. You talked about trauma. You talked about, you know, the, the second part of your life, your second marriage and and just the the friendship you guys developed, the companionship you developed, and and what you guys are experiencing now, you know, you talked about all of those processes. So somebody's going to hear that entire story, and that's going to be hope to them because, like I said, they may be in the first part, and they may just be like, you know, um, I don't even want to try to experience love again. I don't even want to experience it. I, I don't want to be involved with anybody. I just want to be by myself. You know, and right. closing, I did a podcast on are you blocking your heart or are you guarding your heart? And one of the mm-hmm. realities mm-hmm. that I had to face about myself 
was that I was blocking my heart instead of guarding my heart. So I, I love how you walked us through each stage and even how you talked about sometimes the worst part, I'm paraphrasing, of trauma is not the initial trauma, right. but it's that there's no aftercare after you experience that trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people are missing the point and that they're trying to communicate to individuals how they feel. And all that person is, is thinking, well, you should be over that by now. That happened 20 right. years ago. That right. happened, and they right. don't realize I never had the moment to get this out. I never had the moment just to lay on somebody's shoulder and sometimes just cry it out or or talk it out or, you know, just process the whole thing out. So that's what I loved about what you were talking about as it related to the trauma and then even how you talked about with your children, you know, coming from your marriage, that even though you experienced what you experienced in your marriage, you also showed that there was a blessing wrapped inside of it, well, two right. blessings wrapped inside right. of it in this instance. So, yeah, you didn't take too long at all. Now, I do have right. a question for you all as right. it relates to the lack of support. Now, with the lack of support you were talking about, um, basically you were saying, I don't hate the church. You know, you grew up in the church, all of those things. But how did that frame your mindset as it relates to ministry? Or did it, you know, alter your mindset or make you look at ministry in a different perspective, even in your execution of ministry, when you didn't have that support while you were going through? Well, you know, I've been I've been on long term disability um, for wow, twelve years now, um, and that started from. Um, realizing that I uh, had major depressive disorder. Um, And I probably Mm -hmm. at that point also had fibro um, and didn't realize it yet. Um, And so when all this took place, um, I was sort of, uh, was sort of in an in-between phase. Um, You know, I was a member of um, my former husband's congregation um, because he was a pastor mm-hmm. there, uh, a pastor of a church. Um, and, you know, so I had taken on another role um, in ministry. I was also supplying, um, which, you know, so on a Sunday morning, I might go to different congregations that didn't have um, a pastor at that Sunday or vacation mm-hmm. or they were without the pastor at the time and looking for someone. And, um, and so I was, um, and I was really enjoying that a lot, um, because I, I kind of started to see that as my ministry was, you know, I was going in and I was doing, you know, maybe two hours or a little more, um, on a Sunday morning, um, and being there for people, um, who wouldn't have otherwise, um, have had, been able to have communion or who might not have, um, you know, heard a message um, or heard a, heard a sermon. And for some people, I might have been the first female pastor that they had experienced. Um, mm-hmm. I come in with a very different energy than a lot of other people do because, I'm, you know, I'm only going to be there one Sunday. Um, 
Right. And so, you know, if you like me, great. You know, tell you know, I'll come back. If you don't, I'll never have to hear about it. Um, and then I didn't ever have to hear about the stuff that happened Sunday night to Saturday night, you know, um, which was the, the big stress of, of doing that job um, was not Sunday morning. That was my favorite part. It was the rest of the week that was hard, but that was really hard. Um, and so the ministry itself, um, I had loved that. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I still wanted to do that sort of thing. Um, I still felt called to do that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, Hey, I'll, 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 I'll pastor to a person you know, on my, on my porch, my front porch. Um, mm-hmm. And I've done that. You know, I, I, I'll pray with strangers sometimes um, because that's, that's the job that you do. Um, it, it becomes part of who you are. And so you, you embrace that or you don't. And if you don't, then, right. you know, I wouldn't step foot in church again. Um, but always been important to me um and you know my wife asked me earlier today you know how you know like i can't imagine how how could you go back like how could you not you know feel shell-shocked every time you walked into a church and or saw you know a male pastor or anything like that you know I don't actually remember what I told her because I was pretty worked up at that point as we were talking about all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the PTSD. Um, but for me, at least, it, it was never my faith in God that I questioned. And so I've always wanted to act out of that faith. You know, faith pushes you to do things you wouldn't do, do otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, so that's, that includes ministry. Um, I did know people, um, who, who were very good to me, um, from the church. Um, and I've known a lot of other women who have struggled in the same or similar positions that I have, um, stories of. Female, you know, female pastors who have um, had their, you know, their partners uh, walk into their office and take their clothes off and say, don't you want to have sex with me? You know, things like that. The trauma that women mm-hmm. go through to do this job. And, um, and I still keep going because, you know, that's women in ministry, it matters. Um, right. You know who was who was who was left at the foot of the cross mm. when everyone else had run away? Who was left there? Who and when he was dying yep. ministered to Jesus? Yep. Um, you know, so to me that that's been something that um, that holds me up, um, and you know I and it. And I think in some ways it's given me a platform as well. Um, now, mm-hmm. I also had people who, um, you know, in the church hierarchy who um, 
man, they really, they really did a number on me. Um, and it, it, things that you, you couldn't imagine um, a clergy person doing um, or saying. Um, and so that's another, I think, I think it's more of an incentive for me to um, hold people to a higher standard in some way. Um, or to say, you know, this is unacceptable. Um, we are the church, you know, and if and if anybody's going to get it right, it should be us. Um, you know, the, the thing about God and forgiveness is, hey, if you make a mistake, if you screw up, uh, you know that God's still going to love you and God's going to still accept you. But because of that, shouldn't we do even better than what we do, than mm-hmm. what we're often doing? Um, and so I, you know, I lost faith in the church, but I didn't ever lose faith in ministry or in God. Um, because ministry is, I don't know, it's a different, different thing. It's not just, um, being an ordained person. Um, it's being able to, um, build relationships with people in a different way. Because it's based on um, talking to them about their faith, often sharing their your faith with them, um, being with them in you know in the shitty circumstances, being with them mm-hmm. during trauma. I think the one of the realest moments that I ever had in ministry was going to visit a woman um, who was she was elderly. Gosh, she was so frail. And I went into the hospital room to, to see her and I, you know, I walked over to her bed and she, you know, I talked to her for like, I don't know if it was even the full five minutes. And she said to me, please help me get to get the nurse because I need to, I need to get to the bathroom um, right away. And um, we, you know, we pushed the button and she, it was going to take too long and she didn't make it. And I stood there and held her hand while she messed herself. Um, that, that was the realest moment I think I ever experienced in ministry because I was able to be there with her because I had my collar on in a way I would not have been able to be with her if I was just, you know, a friend stopping by to see her. Um, and I think she, she I'm sorry, you know, when you, when you go into a room and you are there as a representative of Jesus, it's different. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I believe, and I believe in that. Um, and I still do. Um, and it's not that I think that uh, pastors are, should be extra holy. Um, just that as a church, we need to do better. Um, for victims, for uh, victims of all types. We need to do better um, in uh, stopping misogyny from being a part of our existence. We need to um, stand up for uh, LGBTQ people who are, you know, especially right now, transgendered persons, because they're like in such a bad position. Um, with this president, and bad position is just a bad way of, of defining that position. Um, 
you know, we should be we should be at the forefront of saying, no, you don't, because Jesus wouldn't do it this way. Um, we should be we and and I know plenty of pastors who did go out um, and and protest, but we should never have let racism get the way that it has gotten. We, you know, I have a I'm in a pretty white denomination. Um, we should have taken responsibility a long time ago for the way uh, race um, inflicts and, and deteriorates our civilization. Uh, racism, not race. Um, and yet we haven't. Um, we're really good at talking about it, not very good at actually uh, grabbing it and, and saying, I'm going to actually make something happen. Um, you know, it's not, I've been telling people lately, don't apologize. I don't want your apology. I want you to fix it. I want you to do your job. If you can't do your job, don't say you're sorry to me for not doing it. Just tell me you can't do it so I can move on and find someone who can. Um, because there's too much crap in this world, and I don't have time for it. <laughs> I don't Absolutely. think anybody else did either. Um, you know, it's it's that it's um, that part of me that's really done living with the trauma in my body anymore. Um, so I, you know, being not being willing to continue to let those things happen, I think is um, that's where I'm at. That's sort of like the there you go. That that's the end of my story of you know for now at least. Of where you know my bi my biography of, of where I where I came from where awesome. I am. Yeah. Awesome. Because I, 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 I believe, like you said, uh, everything that you said are are part of the conversations that we need to have. But you said something that that really hit home for me because this is something that I talk about to my life coaching uh, clients that I talk about to those that come to our uh, sessions that we have, I always talk to individuals from the mindset of, you know, looking at ministry, God, and church as something different or some things different. And you hit it. You said, you know, I kind of lost faith in church and and the the culture. I call it the church culture. Mm -hmm. But you said, I did not question my faith in God. And then you you outline what ministry is. You outline Mm -hmm. what ministry is. And that is one thing I tell individuals that even come out, and when they come out and, you know, their denominations or organizations don't agree with, quote, unquote, the lifestyle, which I cannot stand Mm -hmm. to hear people say the lifestyle. But I explain to them, you know, you mm-hmm. got to think about your relationship with God and what he's called and created you to do, and you have to find resolve in that and just do what he has called, created, mm-hmm. and designed you mm-hmm. to do. And I said, if you can get to that space in life where it doesn't matter what others are thinking or saying, you're just focused on what you've been called, created to do, then you'll begin to see the impact that not only you're making on the world, but even how freeing it is to you as well. Because sometimes we take oh, on other people's yeah. baggage. We take on other people's bondage. We take on other people's thoughts and philosophies. Mm-hmm. 
I remember one of my um, family members had said years ago, you know, Cliff, I'm praying for you with your struggles with your sexuality. And I said, well, your prayer is wrong because <laughs> I'm not struggling with it. You're the right. one struggling with it. So you need to be praying right. for yourself. You. And the struggles right. you're having with it, because I'm not going to carry your struggles with me. Right. You know, like what? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not struggling right. with that thing. That's a struggle with you, and I can't carry that because I have enough I'm carrying on my own. So I don't know if you realize right. that we have talked ourselves off the air. I noticed. I yeah. So yeah. I have. I have three more questions for you, and then I'm going right. to let you go. This has been great. I have enjoyed this on tonight. Oh, so, I absolutely have to. All right, go for it. The first question is, you've given us a lot over uh, this hour, 45 minutes or so, because I talked for about 15 minutes in the beginning. But if everyone was to forget everything that you said tonight, what would be one thing that you would want everybody to take away from this conversation? Wow. Um, so it would be one thing that I, I made a note of because my dad said, and I, look, I try to listen to what my dad tells me. He said, make sure you write some stuff down so that you have ideas of what to talk about if you need to, which was kind of uh, <laughs> apparently unnecessary. But it got me thinking, you know, that, that was a good thing. Um, is Because I talked about communication with, with my wife and how it, it mm-hmm. really has been, um, you know, the secret to our relationship um, is communication. But I think we are really bad at how we communicate um, to ourselves. Um, and the thing that, you know, we talk, when you talk about transformation, the thing that really helped me to transform or begin that transformation process when I needed it the most was I, I wound up in a great support group um, with an incredible leader. I met my best friend through, uh, through that group. Um, and one of the things that she taught us was self-talk. And that is basically that you, you talk to yourself um, the way you would talk to somebody that you actually loved and cared for. Um, and I'll give you an example of how I made it happen with myself. Um, you know, I used, to, uh, I used to spend every day, every day, I, I found myself saying multiple times, I hate my life. I hate my life. And um, I finally got to the point where when that, when that thought came into my head, I stopped myself. And I said, that is not true. I don't hate my life. I hate this moment, but I don't hate my life. Um, another example is, um, you know, I was trying to build a little stupid shell. And really, it was a little stupid shell. And I could not get this stupid thing to work no matter what I did. Again, stupid, stupid, stupid. And so I started to call myself stupid. Well, that was really stupid. You're just stupid. And um, then I stopped and I went, wait a second. You're not stupid. You have a master's degree. You're smart. 
you can figure this out. What you just did was stupid, but that doesn't mean that you can't fix it, that you can't do this. And so when I started to talk to myself as if I was somebody that I loved and cared about, I actually started to love and care for myself. And that is um, perhaps one of the most important life lessons I ever learned. Um, So it would be the thing that I would want people to remember or to take with them. Instead of, you know, don't, don't listen to what other people um, said to you. You know, um, all those things that my ex-husband would, all those names he would call me, um, the things that he would say to me, those were lies about me. He was angry. He wasn't, and, you know, for whatever reason, that's why he did that. But I don't have to believe that. And, in fact, I don't. And I know that those things are true. They were lies. I don't have to believe lies. Why? Because it's a lie. You don't believe lies. <laughs> um, so I started telling myself the truth. Um, and that was that I'm awesome. And you know what? That's who you met that day was awesome me. Awesome. That is so important. That yeah. self-talk is highly important. Now, the second question, yeah, it is, it is, it will transform your life literally. Like you said, Uh it was at the beginning Uh stage of that transformation for your life. Now, Uh the second question is, on the show, we like to acknowledge what we call transforming transformers. And transforming transformers can be mentors, leaders, family members, but they are basically those who have committed to their own personal transformation journey or journey of transformation, yet they've also been a great big support in your personal transformation. So while they are transforming, they're also transformers, and they are actually helping transform transformers. So are there in, is there anyone in your life, and I usually allow up to five, and I know sometimes it's hard to break it down <laughs> to five, but for the time that we have allotted, I I have to either constrain it to three or five uh, individuals well, I, that have been. Huh? Well, I'll just give you one. I'll just give you one. Okay. Um, because okay. if I if I give you too many, uh, no, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Uh, okay. My daughter and um, my oldest stepdaughter. Um, they are two women who. Um, have really, uh, I'm so proud of them, Um, but I've also watched both of them come through their own traumas, um, come through their own um, personal struggles, um, and they are, and (laughs) you know, when I have needed them, when I have um, needed support, um, I know that I have always been able to turn to both of them. Even when my daughter and I struggled with our relationship, um, if I if I was down, um, she would be there to breathe with me. Um, and that man, I I all you always need someone who's willing to breathe with you. You started the show mm-hmm. with breathing. That was awesome. But she would. Mm-hmm. She would breathe with me. 
Um, and speaking of breathing, you know, my stepdaughter, I quit smoking back in December. And I think uh, had it not been uh, for Christiana, for my oldest stepdaughter, I don't know if I would have been as successful as I've been oh, because she quit. Um, I guess it was a year and a half or a year before I did. Um, and that just, you know, she was, she was somebody to inspire me. And those of them are transforming their lives in some real ways. And I, I never cease to be um, unimpressed. I'm always impressed by them. Um, and I, they're just, all my kids are amazing. But those would be my two that I would think that I came to the top of my head right away. Okay. Now, before I get to the last question that I end every conversation with, I mm-hmm. want to give you the opportunity to tell individuals where they can find your writings. Uh, how they may be able to connect with you on social media and any other things that you would like to share with them before we go? Well, you know, I would say um, connect with me on Twitter. Um, I'm at ChristineCM333, so that with the CH, Christine, uh, the letter T, and then the letter M, um, and then the number 333. Uh, you know, I I think that's probably um, the best place. If you want to read some stuff, um, you can find me on Facebook, but hit me up on Twitter and I'm happy to befriend you, whatever. Send you stuff I've written. I've written a lot of stuff about a lot of things. <laughs> um, <laughs> happy to share any of it with you. Awesome, awesome. Now, here is the question of all questions. And after you answer yeah, the right. question, I will explain to you why in every conversation on Transformation Radio with this question. So here it is. Who is God personally to you? Ah! Um, All right. Well, first of all, my Jesus is a black woman. Um, I didn't realize this. You're laughing, but I'm serious. Um, no, I'm laughing because so... I know. Here's here's why I'm laughing because I know you're serious and you're going to explain it too. <laughs> How do you know me already? Um, <laughs> I start so um, I had a very significant experience in the therapy session one day um, and went home um, and decided I wanted to try to paint this experience. Um, and it was, uh, I don't even remember how it got, how it got going into this, but it, she was walking me through, you know, talking me through stuff and having me close my eyes and breathe and think about stuff. I don't know. And I, um, I had this image of, um, the story of Jesus on the boat, um, when it's when he's asleep and the storm brews up um, and all the disciples are scared shitless and uh, they run to him and they're like, Jesus, don't you care about us? Um, Wake up, wake up. And he gets up and he looks at the, you know, the storm and he says, peace be still. And everything is still. Um, And they're like, who the is this guy? Um, (laughs) And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, running theme uh, in scripture, but um, 
part. So I wanted to, to paint this picture of, you know, this glowing orange and yellow um, light that, um, that I had seen in this vision because it was very, very affirming to me. Um, and it felt really, really good to me. Um, and I, and I wept and I wept and I wept, um, because it, it really was very, it was a big deal. Um, and so I started painting this canvas and, uh, you know, I got out my, my piece of canvas and I got out my paints and I started, and it just wasn't working. And so I decided that this glowing orb of light or whatever that was Jesus, had to be more like a person. Um, and so I started to paint this picture. And the next thing I knew, <laughs> uh, you know, Jesus was was a black woman. Um, and mm-hmm. I went, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, uh, I think a lot of it is, man, I, I have been so blessed to find um, myself uh, reading and having connections with um, some incredible women of color who um, just, I mean, why, why haven't they been put in charge? Because they know how to handle stuff. They know how to mm-hmm. do um, And they know how to be compassionate in a way that I don't know that any of the rest of us do. And maybe that's falling the rest of us short, but um, there, there, it was right for 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 me to say, my Jesus is a black woman, um, and uh, I just think it was, you know, to me it was awesome when I realized that. So I really do kind of embrace that, um, and so my image of God is just this. This very curvaceous, <laughs> um, long, uh, you know, sort of um, tangled up, um, braided, um, curly hair, um, and, you know, with wind blowing through it, and this very dark skin, and these full lips, and um, these big, deep eyes. Um, and and these beautiful breasts and and these arms that just are big enough to hold all of us in um, and and hug us like we're supposed to be hugged like we're supposed to be held um, and you know I, I yeah that's so that's if God isn't um, remotely something like that, I might turn around and <laughs> go back the other way. I don't know. Um, I, I just, I, yeah, I often tell people I'm going to be surprised. I'm sure I'm going to be surprised when I get to heaven. But I think that there are a lot of people who are going to be far more surprised than I am. Um, so, but I, I I believe in it. I believe there's um 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah, it makes me happy thinking about that. So I think that's who that's who God is. Very wonderful woman. She's there the whole awesome. time now. and told the storm to stop it. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you why I asked that question. Um, the reason why I asked that question is because I believe that as long as we live, we will never be able to fully understand the awesomeness or the weight of who the creator is. Um, however, I believe that when we encounter each other, we are mm. encountering another dimension of who he he is, she is, however, you know, we identify the creator. Your interpretation of the creator is awesome to me because what I got from that was what everybody thinks to be is not what is to be. Mm-hmm. And it shows, you know, your personal experience with the creator. And everybody that I asked that question on this show and we, as I said, we've been doing this show for a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Nobody has answered the question the same way. Even if they general give mm-hmm. a generalized answer at first and the generalized answer sounds the same, nobody fully explains who the creator is to them personally the same. So tonight mm-hmm. you just introduced us to a new dimension of who the creator is and even made us even more aware for some of us that still may, because I tell people sometimes we're open-minded, but yet we still mm-hmm. have some doors that are closed in our mind. So you oh, have expanded yeah. our consciousness even on tonight for us to begin to view the nature of God in a new way. Because there's some people that struggle mm-hmm. with the nature of God, and they need to see it from a, a female uh, uh, or a black female's uh like yep. big mama's standpoint, yep. you know, because they've seen it as that father that just walks around and just angry all the time and just looking to punish and destroy this and destroy that, that they haven't seen that calm nature that will get you together, but at the same time will draw you in and hold you yep. and, and let you know everything is going to be all right. So I thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that with us on tonight, because like I said, it just expands our consciousness. That's why I mm-hmm. laughed in the beginning. I, I wasn't laughing because of what you said. <laughs> I just was laughing because I knew you were about to explain it in a mad, manner where it made sense. Cause we've had people, you mm-hmm. know, I had all types of people on here. I've had a uh, former um, adult film stars, on here and their interpretation right. of God was powerful to me because it doesn't matter to me. I don't care what you used to do, what oh, yeah. you do now. I believe we all have the ability to communicate who God is. So thank you for joining us all tonight. Thank you for sharing all that you shared with us. I really appreciate this conversation on tonight. Listening audience, thank I you. appreciate each and every one of you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Listening audience, I appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you connect with Christine, I'm telling you, especially if you're struggling with a closed mind, you're struggling with a closed mind. You guys already know how I talk. We need the diversity of individuals in our lives to help us become more open to things, to become more open to the world, because sometimes we live in our closed mind. We live in our small community, and we think that that's how the entire world is. 
But every now and then we escape that small community and we realize, wait a minute, there's more to this world than what we've experienced. That's the same thing when we allow ourselves and our minds and our spirit to be open to receive something that has been told to us at times is demonic, but it's not that it's demonic. It's just that it was something that people didn't understand. And sometimes in church culture, whatever we don't understand, we seem to demonize. So connect. I encourage you guys to connect. Also connect with me, all social media platforms, type in Clifton Patty John. If you want to know the next show and the other shows we have going on and the podcast and everything else we have going on, visit www dot cliftonpettyjohn.com okay listen guys as i always say create a great day walk with purpose and by all beings execute your vision peace So I know you've heard me talk a lot about working with people in entertainment, and perhaps you don't necessarily work in entertainment. And if you do, you may not need a full overhaul at the moment. However, you may be facing a challenge or working on a project that you could use objective perspective or expertise on. Um, This is why I offer consulting. Here are the areas I can help you in. Branding, marketing, creative strategy, spiritual development, identity strategy, style and image, content strategy, entrepreneurship. I would love to work with you to navigate your challenge or to enhance your project. If you want to book a one-time session or inquire about a short-term consulting relationship, you can do both by visiting YourSupernormal.com. Let's get it.